What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podmosh. Uh, this podcast and all future podcasts are brought to you by Your Team Realty. Uh, I work for Your Team Realty. Uh, Leslie's my broker, uh, and I am a real estate agent. So if you want to buy or sell a house, uh, commercial property, you know, hit me up. Let us see if we can work something out. And right now, if you're trying to uh, sell your house, you're probably going to get a lot more out of it than the typical uh, economic time frame. Because supply right now is very low and demand is very high, which is going to bring prices up. So keep that in mind. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Um, But yeah, our guest today is Gary Heinrich, mayor of Keene. Um, He's been the mayor of Keene, Texas for quite a long time, off and on over the years. Um, He talks about what it's like. We get into term limits. Um, We also get into the economy of Keene, uh, what he would like to see in the future. Uh, he's also running for re-election, so now is a really interesting time for him, um, for all the politics surrounding Keen. Um, that's going to be two or three weeks here, uh, beginning November. Uh, talks a little bit about the issues surrounding the election, uh, things that he's done to help with that, um, and we, we, we touch on how we first met. He was actually my landlord uh, a while back uh, during my when, I was, when me and my wife were living in our first apartment, so... Really cool guy. Had a blast talking with him. Uh, hope you all enjoy it and uh, check it out. Thanks. And we're live. All right. Well, Gary, check your mic for me. Yeah. Or sh- should I call you? Okay. Gary. Yeah, Gary. I, yeah. Still okay. <laughs> Not Mister Bear or. Yeah. Whatever no. you wish. <laughs> but but I'm still Gary. Okay. Um, which is pretty cool. So I met you whenever I moved into uh, the apartments with. Do you remember Javi? Holly. Well, there's Javi, my roommate. Remember, it was me and Javier Rodriguez. Uh, okay, yeah. And then my brother and his wife were next door. Sarah. Yeah, Taylor and Sarah Beth. Yeah. And they were next door, <clears throat> um, and me and my roommate lived just next door to them, of course. And that's when I really, I first met you. Um, kind of tell me, so what are what are you doing today? You're the mayor of Keene, right? That's correct. Running for re-election. Running for re-election. Okay. Um, you've done a variety of topics or a variety of things over the years. Um, kind of explain to me how you got to today, how you got into politics, um, all that, all that jazz. <clears throat> well, back in 1990, I, uh, I'd been living in Keene for six years, and uh, Mr. Johan, who was a councilman, came to me and wanted me uh, to fill a seat that vacated with the resignation of a council member. And I told him, I said, okay, this was in June of 1990, and the seat would be up for re-election in November. Okay. And I told him, I said, well, okay, I'll uh, I'll fill the vacancy, but I won't (laughs) guarantee you that I'll run for it again. But I'll fill the vacancy now. For the for the council seat, right? Yes, for okay. the council seat. And not knowing really what it entailed. Yeah. So so I did that. Filled the council seat. They appointed me to the council and I served from then till November. Of the same year? Yes. Okay. Nineteen ninety. Okay. June to November. And just as a council member. So How'd you get from council member to mayor to <clears throat> living in Keene for a... Well, Mr. Johan and others on the council uh, then approached me about running for mayor in November while I was a council member. And uh said, man, I don't know that I really want to do this, but... Why? Well, it's an unknown thing and it just creates a lot more... Eats into your time... Mm-hmm. If you ever had any spare time, you don't now. <laughs> so, as a mayor? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, and, and back in those days, we didn't have a city manager. Town was still too small. And How this, small was it back then? Uh, in 1990, it was 3944 was the population of King. Oh, wow. Today, it's probably, I'm guessing, uh, we'll know in, in a few weeks or months here on the census. But, uh, oh, okay. Probably around 7,500 okay. or better. So anyway, I, I told Mr. Johan, I, I really wasn't sure about that. But he kept on. He said, no, we really, we would really like for you to run for mayor. So 
So I did, and the current mayor came over to my house as soon as he'd found out I'd filed. Oh, no. <laughs> wanted me to withdraw my application, and he'd make me mayor pro tem. And I told him, his name was also Gary. I told him, I said, well, Gary, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. He said, yes, I do. Uh, he had some things he wanted to finish, he told me. and So he kind of knew you were you were probably going to get the seat. Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess he did. <laughs> I said, well, you haven't done a poll. You don't know. And he said, no, I do. Uh, he had been doing some shenanigans, and people in town really didn't like that. Mm. So, so come November, well, he said, if you'll go back and just do your council seat, I'll make you mayor pro tem. And I said, well, I've already told a buddy to run for my council seat because I was vacating it. And I wouldn't go back to him and now run against him. I'd, I'd drop out altogether before I'd do that. Hmm. So uh, uh, I said, just stay in the race. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do, he said. And he left. Oh, wow. So It's pretty uh, quick. Yeah, well, in 10 minutes. How, <laughs> how much can you? <laughs> yeah. So what did you do before you started first getting into politics as a council member? Uh, well, you just go to the council meetings and uh, analyze the issues that are on the agenda. And no, I'm sorry, like as a profession. Oh, as a profession, I was a, a computer technician for Texas, New Mexico Power. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, huh. I, in fact, uh, in 1967, uh, <clears throat> I was selected out of 60-some people in the company that took a programmer aptitude test sponsored by IBM. And uh, they selected three people. I was one of those people. And so we went to IBM schools in Dallas and learned how to program, how to operate a computer and all those things. So hmm. we wrote to my buddy Mike Lahr and I wrote the first application for customer accounting. Okay. And we put that on in 68 or maybe late 68, 69. So it, um, from your perspective as a computer programmer, then it's quite a bit different now, right? Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> these kids, they could, they could they, well, like I say, the high school kids today run faster and jump higher than we ever did. <laughs> same way with computers. Yeah. Stuff like that. There's more memory in this cell phone I got than there is. There was in that big monster we had. Mm, that's pretty crazy. So the information yeah. boom is super interesting. Yes. So you were a computer programmer for most of your life. Um, you started getting into politics, and how, you started managing some properties around then too, right? <laughs> that just kind of got dumped in my lap by people that knew me, uh, like Joan. Yeah. She wanted a little help, and she was getting on up in years. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had met me through uh, your neighbor across the street, who was Mrs. Rosella Martin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would go over to Rosella's house every Friday evening, just hang out with her and Don. Betty and I, and our dog, Benny, <laughs> we'd take him over there with us. And, That's awesome. And eat popcorn and drink some soda pop or something, just visit with him. And mm-hmm. Joan would come over there once in a while. So, Huh. That's pretty interesting. Um <clears throat> So you, you become mayor um, in 1990. You, have you been mayor ever since? No. Okay. I served four terms to November of 1998, and I said, that's really enough, with no intentions of ever going back. Yeah. And uh, during that two-year term that I was out, people were coming to me and saying, Gary, you got to go back. I said, I really don't need any more of this. I really had... You know, eight years is plenty, and nobody in Keene had served more. There were a few people that served eight years, four terms. But uh, Is it the maximum amount you can... No, no, there's no... Uh, no, no term limits? No term limits. Really? So, so I, I, I didn't run, and... Uh, and what year was that? In 2000, uh, 1998. 1998 was, a, was technically your last <clears throat> term. Yes. Okay. And you didn't do anything until when? 2000. Okay, 2000 you became mayor again? Yes. Okay. And I served three terms in wow. to 2006, and I said, that's enough again. <laughs> and what, what, uh, what kept getting you to that point where you're like, that's enough? Well, uh, they're just, 
you know, you're going down there spending all your time. And uh, the people of Keene have always been good to me because uh, I, I didn't grow up in Keene, but I came there when I was 14 years old. So maybe I have grown up in Keene. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I think you might have. I yeah. don't know. I think you might have. Hopefully I have grown up in Keene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, That's funny. So I served three more terms. and I don't know. You get to the point where you say, uh, you know, it takes quite a little time. By then we had a city manager, so uh, uh, the mayor's time is less mm -hmm. because you got somebody handling the day-to-day -day operations. So, yeah. uh, so total, how many years have you been mayor? Well, that was uh, eight and six, was 14 then, and I've now served almost two on this term. It'll be up in less than a month. So when is the reelection? Uh, November 3rd, whatever the election, 4th. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, whatever the national election day is, Tuesday. Uh, so so you're looking at 16 years and maybe another re-election? Possibly another two. Okay. Good Lord willing. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Do you, know, do you know which way? Am I, like, give an inkling of what might happen? Uh, well, people tell me that there's not going to be a problem, but... Uh, if you start counting your chickens before they hatch, you soon get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you start. It's like start. spending money you don't have. What's that? Uh, did you ever watch I Love Lucy? Uh, yes. Remember Ricky Ricardo? Yeah. And he'd get all his like phrases mixed up. One of them was, uh, "Don't count your chickens before they wash under the bridge." Oh, because okay. <laughs> he it was you know counting chickens before they hatch and yeah, milk water be under the bridge. Yeah. yeah. It's, that dude, so funny. Yeah. Um, so, wow, 16 years. So, you, you, from what I understand, you're about ready to, well, possibly become another, another re like, have, have another cycle term. of being mayor. Term. Yeah. yeah, golly, I can't. Couldn't get in my head. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about Keene. You've been there all your life, almost. Well, I came there when I was 14, went to school. Of course, I didn't really, wasn't involved in the community as much as I was school. I was a, I went to, it was a boarding academy, boarding high school. And uh, as, as you know, Seventh-day Adventists, we try to respect the Sabbath day, Well, it, Friday night yeah. to Saturday night, sundown, sundown. So a lot of people don't know that, though. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about Keene. I didn't really know much about Keene until we started looking for houses. Yeah. Because we actually, we didn't have a home for like a, was a little over a year, roughly. And so we were looking everywhere for a home. Um, we were living in our church for about a year, yeah. and uh, I was like, hey, let's go check out Keene. I don't really know much about it. It's beautiful. There's a pond in the middle or a mini yeah. lake, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's up for debate. Um, and then we get here, and we're like, man, it's it's amazing. Housing prices are great. The city's great. Mm -hmm. um, but I, a lot of people don't know much about Keene other than that the cops like to pull you over. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll find that's different today than it has been, okay. too. So. Did you have a hand in that? Well, I just, I want Keene to be the friendliest town you ever saw. And I want it to be easier to do business with. If you want to do something in Keene, you have to have permits and fees and whatever. I want those to be tolerable and I want it to be easy enough that any guy can walk in and you tell him one, two, three, four, five, six things you got to do for us. To get this permit and uh, and it to be something he can understand and yeah. so yes, uh, are you I, wanting, are you wanting to grow Keen a lot more? Or what, um, what's kind of what do you see your, as a vision for Keen? Keen is going to grow. Uh, we've got uh, eighty six new homes under construction. I say they're not all under construction, but the street is now in a concrete street, and I think it's eighty six pads are just about ready. Uh, you'll probably see some homes starting before the end of the year. I don't know that uh, they say maybe in six to eight year, uh, six to eight months and maybe possibly a year or so, you'll see many of those homes on the ground and people okay. living in them. So, uh, yes, we're, we're going to grow keen some, but we don't want it to grow so fast that 
we have aches and pains with doing that. Kind of loses that small time feel too. Yeah, and then there's other things like uh, services got to be provided, like uh, water and sewer, mm-hmm. and you you can't run out of water today. Uh, it's just you know on the farm in Pond Creek, Oklahoma, the well went dry. You got out there and fixed it that night, and you might not have been able to take a bath. <laughs> but you didn't call the city and say, hey, my water's off. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to go fix it. So uh, uh, in our environment today, you just can't let that happen. So yeah. uh, you have to keep all those things going. A sewer plant has to be big enough to to handle all the folks in Keene. And, and in 1990, shortly thereafter, we put a new plant online that's still got some capacity left. Did you ever um, switch? Kind of sorry, switching gears a little bit. That uh, I heard a little bit about a Louis Vuitton factory coming. Yes, is that still happening? Yeah, oh, it's there. Oh, it's there. Did I just it's in it? production. Uh, it's not really in Keene, but uh, they like Keene, and so we're helping them right now. We got a grant from the state, a million dollars to redo the road in front of their plant, even though it's outside our city limits. Hmm. Part of it was in our ETJ, which is extraterritorial jurisdiction. Okay. So we have a little hand in that, and we've been working with them. Uh, hopefully that will be done in another six months. And then the the road to their their first gate, the entrance gate, will be a little wider and a little more accommodating. How did that deal get worked out? Why did, why did Louis Vuitton want to come to Keene? Well, uh, I don't know that they really wanted to come to Keene, but they did. uh, They like rural, pastoral-type settings. So they have bought, I think, somewhere around 300 acres, give or take, and they built their plant out in the middle of that. Oh, wow. And they're highly secured, too, I'll tell you. Uh, (laughs) Did you get to tour the plant at all? Oh, yes, several times. I've... Are you buddy-buddy buddy with Louis Vuitton? Uh, no, not with Louis Vuitton, <laughs> but uh, with Mr. Sebastian, who manages his plant, we have a very good relationship. Now, I don't go out there and bug him, yeah. uh, but every now and then we have a little visit, and uh, they're good people. That's really cool. It and seems like you're pretty good at, at just dealing with people. I'm wondering if that has a lot to do with your success as mayor, as being you know 16 years well, I like people. Yeah. Uh, people are our greatest asset, and we don't understand that. Now, we're trying to replace people with robots. But let me tell you, you'd never marry one, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I'm I not mean, about that life. <laughs> we, still, we still like people. So people are your greatest asset. And mm. I don't care what you do to automate things. You may cut out a few jobs with some automation, like the car industry. Mm. But you still need people for the finished product. And uh, somewhere along the line, you got to have salesmanship within you. But I think you need to be down to earth with people, too. Mm. So I like people. I mean, I understand. Have you always been like that? Well, I think so. My folks raised me that way. Mm. Uh, Down to earth guy. I mean, I grew up on a farm. How much (laughs) more down to earth can you get? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our tractors didn't have cabs on them, so you ate <laughs> you ate a lot of dirt, which makes you really fit to be a mayor. Eating a lot of dirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Okay, so so you have Louis Vuitton. Um, it's a beautiful area. The main parks are really cool. Um, Keene is known for being the Seventh Day Adventist town. Right. How did that come to be? How how did, what's well, the history of that? Uh, Many years ago, in the 1890s, even probably before then, uh, people were looking to build a school for Seventh-day Adventists. They they wanted it to be high school. Well, it was high school at first. They called it Keene Industrial Academy because uh, industry was our big thing to make a living. You see, we were still an agricultural nation, and uh, we didn't have uh, big assembly lines for General Motors. Mm -hmm. So primarily agriculture. So they they went looking. I think they had four spots, and I don't even know what they all won. One was Keene. 
And some Adventist pioneers came down here and bought, I think, 800 acres, if I remember the story right, and developed a school there. And from there, it's just kind of grown and grown and Hmm. grown. Are you Adventist, right? Yes. Okay. Um, For a while there, it was a lot of people didn't want anything to do with anything outside of a Seventh-day Adventist like business or how did that come to be now it's it's very open um to a lot of different businesses there are some people who believe that uh you shouldn't associate with other people hmm. now if our gospel commission is to go into all the world and preach you got to work with other people right <laughs> yeah because not everybody's a seventh day adventist yeah. Nor wants to be. I understand that. That's not a problem for me. So, uh, so you got it's it's opened up because mm. our people, uh, you know, here in Cleburne, I like these people. You know, I, I know many of the people in Cleburne, and they're just good people. They don't go to church with me. That's fine. Yeah, they go to a lot of them go to church, and I respect that. Uh, they're good people, and. Uh, so if you're gonna win anybody, you gotta you gotta know them and love them, right? <laughs> right. I mean, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you just can't do it any other way. So I say that I ask these questions because that's just not a normal perspective, you know. Yeah. In a, in a world that's super divided right now, yeah. So many polar opposite things that are happening. It, your perspective is refreshing, and I don't. It's not really normal, which is cool. Well, I think it's got to be that way. And if we go back to Scripture and read what the Lord told us, yeah, it's got to be that way. I, he he uh, he didn't say that I love Baptists more than Catholics or yeah. or Adventists more than Baptists. He's he said you are my children. Now he wants us to do certain things and live righteously, like the example he gave to us. But uh, he mingled with people, didn't he? Oh, big time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How about the prostitute yeah. at the well or or the woman that had five or six husbands <laughs> or whatever, you know, I, uh, Rahab the prostitute. I mean, he mingled with a lot of people. Oh, yeah. It was very diverse. So uh, another example to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of people, um, they, they know those things. They see those things. Um they know that there are these different examples to be, but it it just doesn't work out that way. And every time I've every conversation I've had with you, you're just like I said, a down to earth. You want to get to know people. You want to help love people in some pretty cool ways. Um, and I'm just letting you know that's not normal, which is awesome. <laughs> and I don't know you on a super deep level, um, but from the from the conversations we've had, how you treated us as tenants was I mean, it was it was. A, much respect for for that, so I really appreciate that. Well, I think that's the way we got to be, and we need our old world needs more of that right now more than ever. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going upside down right now, and and if we believe what scriptures told us, I don't know how the Lord can let us suffer too much longer because He says He's coming back to get us someday. Those that are faithful to Him, so and being faithful to Him means loving your brother. Do you think that um, you, you mentioned the Lord coming back to get us? Do you think that we're in "quote unquote" the end times right now? Absolutely. You think so? Yes. What? Now, now don't don't ask me how long the end times are. <laughs> he said, "I come as a thief in the night, and no man knoweth when." So, uh-huh. people who get up and say the Lord's coming next year, uh, I don't go for that. I, that doesn't happen. We're just supposed to live our lives so that we're ready hmm. to meet Him. When he does come, whether we're alive or we're called out of the grave to meet him, uh, so uh, that's our prerogative to do. And and I fail miserably at that, hmm. but with his grace, I can get there. Right on. Yeah. Um, as a mayor of Keene, with all the, like I said, the division in the world today, specifically, you know, America. Um, how have you handled the coronavirus and a lot of these things that have been brought up in the media today? As a mayor, how have you led the city? Well, actually, uh, our county has been very much involved in that, and we've kind of followed the uh, 
the admonition of our county leaders. Uh, they're the ones that really have made some of the criteria, as well as the city of Cleburne, you know, has imposed certain bans during the time and like wearing masks and all those things. Did you follow what Cleburne did? Yes, okay. and the counties, which okay. are so... We didn't really instigate a policy on our own, although we still have people that want us to wear a mask. And, and maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I hear all kinds of conflicting stories about yeah. whether the mask really helped you. Even Fossey says that it probably doesn't help you, but it may help the guy you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories on this, but typically I use masks if I go out in public or go into a restaurant. Now, obviously, shortly thereafter, you got to get, you know, that thing off if you're going to eat. Yeah, eat. <laughs> there was a, there was some <clears throat> meme. Do you, you know what a meme is? Uh, yeah, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> Mimi, or uh, that's the wife, Mimi, but... Uh, <laughs> well, Emmy, Emmy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a meme. It's a picture of, with a funny saying a lot of times. Yeah. Um, one of the, these memes I saw uh, was wearing masks to your table and then taking it off is like having a peeing section in the public pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw that too. Oh, you saw that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just funny. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I wear a mask just out of respect yeah um but i am kind of curious again was there a time where like whenever this pandemic started hitting and everybody was kind of freaking out about everything not really sure um if it's very deadly if it's going to spread a lot the the news was saying that it's going to kill us all (laughs) you know um was there a point you being a mayor where you kind of had to prep your mind and and what you might do if the pandemic came? Well, actually, uh, no, I didn't really worry too much about that because uh, I knew our county leaders with more medical people on staff and stuff, health department, would instigate a policy that we could follow, and we would have followed that. So you you pretty much deferred all that to the county? Yes. Okay. Now, Uh, is that the Johnson County what? Uh, well, health department. Uh, yeah, there's a health department, in Johnson County, and uh, and I'm sure our larger cities like Burleson and Cleburne mm-hmm. would have been closely in touch with that, and the smaller cities probably would have followed their recommendations. Are you in touch with uh, the mayors of Cleburne and Burleson? And not so much uh, the, those two mayors, but the county judge, a good friend. Yeah, we share a birthday. <laughs> And a year, same year? No, I got him by five. <laughs> okay. But I, I never let him rest on his birthday, you know, accuse him of being an old man. So, yeah, <laughs> we have a very good relationship. And, okay, that, that's pretty cool. Um, I am curious how a typical day in the life of a mayor is. Well, uh see. Since we have a good city manager... I may not go into the office more than two or three times a week. Oh, wow. Uh, I may get a text from him as to my wishes regarding something or mm-hmm. or answer that they might need. Like today, let's see. Well, I, I had a uh, CT scan today with uh, contrast because I got some kidney stones and they're looking for a way to solve those things. So, uh, and then when I got back, what they called me and wanted me to sign checks. Now, normally we (laughs) sign checks on Friday and our policy is that either the mayor or the mayor pro tem is one signature and either the city manager or the city secretary is the other signature. Hmm. And that's kind of an audit thing Mm -hmm. where separation of powers trying Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're spending the folks' money wisely. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did that, and and the rest of the day I was involved with my cows or cleaning up my property. My brother-in-law, Larry, who lives next door to me now. Oh, uh, really? I have a zero-turn mower. Them ZTRs, they're fun. Oh, yeah, it's a 72-inch, and it'll mow a lot of grass in a hurry. (laughs) And he likes to run it, so we went down to my barn, and uh, I had started some of it yesterday. 
he finished that for me while I was dragging dead limbs and stuff to the, the burn pile. Now, so, is is that typical day or a typical week? Like- uh, no, it's not really a typical day for me. Uh, see, uh, so, but then we'll have council every other Thursday evening. We'll have, uh, we'll sign checks usually one day a week. Usually it's on Friday, but we've been switching software vendors, and so hmm. it's not always coming around as fast as it should. Yeah. Once we get it smoothed out and get our stuff all set, well, we will probably always do those on a Friday. So I'm, I'm kind of guessing you're not really nervous. You don't sound like a, sound like a nervous guy, with, especially with this re-election coming up, uh, the possible re-election. Um, well, listen... Uh, you know, I've done this so much that I don't want to sit here and say that I'm absolutely sure that I will be the next mayor of Keene. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to do that. And so if I lose, that's fine. I mean, uh, the people have spoken, right? Mm. Somewhere along the way, I didn't do my job well enough to convince all of them that I should serve another two years. So, you know, I'm absolutely at peace with that. Mm. And if anxiety creeps in, it would be because of ego and selfishness. Hmm. Wouldn't you think? Oh, I big mean, time. Yeah. Yeah. So Which, I'm at peace. A lot of people um, really dog on, really don't like term, they want term limits on a lot of, on yeah. a lot of these positions, mayors, senators, councilmen, congressmen, um, because a lot of people in the federal government are kind of, they have a lot of power. Um, yes. And it, getting that cycled out might be really good for a lot of people, um, a lot of the, the Americans. Um, how do you, as a mayor, kind of check yourself when if you when you feel yourself kind of maybe, or maybe you've never gotten to this point. That if if not, that's cool. Um, but if you, have you ever gotten to the point where you you almost like you want that power because you've been mayor for so long and you you yeah. kind of feel it like you you don't want to give it away. If you if that's ever happened, um, what have you done to kind of mitigate that well <clears throat> i suppose when you first start out being mayor first couple of terms you you kind of let your ego get in the way a mm. little bit I, i'm your mayor but uh you can't do that because if you're gonna if you're gonna be the best mayor everywhere you got a burden of the people mm. and if you're not a servant of the people you're not here serving them then you need to go home and get out of this business because this business doesn't make you important. A long time ago, my brother, who's now deceased, and I were going up to Oklahoma, uh, visits the graves of our forefathers and lots of our friends, and we were riding along, and he said, uh, self-appointed important people. And I said, well, Jim, you know the eye is silent. Hmm. Think about that. What does that make you? A sap. A sap? Yeah, a sap. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to be a sap. So being important is not something you do yourself. It's what other people say you are. And uh, and if you let that get to you, then you're in trouble too. Mm. So... Uh, a mayor is a servant of the people. Now, there are a lot of mayors that want their name in the paper and, and their picture all the time. Actually, I could sit in the back row most of the time. And if you didn't notice me, that'd be fine. Well, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, I didn't know you were a mayor <laughs> for a very long time. Uh, we lived in that apartment for, what was it, three, four years? What years like did you live there? I think it was three or four years. Um, yeah, I, but I mean, from 2000... Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I'm t- I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't, at the time, I don't think you were mayor. Okay. Um, but okay. you were mayor for a long time before that, and I had no idea. And then even now, like I've I've said hi to you here and there when I've seen you. Um, were you mayor at, at the... Uh, I guess you were what, that when you were driving the tractor? For the Harvest Festival, was it last year or the year before? 
uh, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Starfest, yes. I've for since yeah. about 1990, I've been the guy that uh, gets the hay rides together for the kids, and and uh, this last year I think we had three or four tractors. This year we're not going to do that on account of the corona, yeah. but, uh, but they are going to pass out candy bags to kids. There you go. Be a drive-through. There you go. Um, <clears throat> I'll bring that up because again, um, you say you're you know back row. You're totally cool sitting in the back row. Um, you're not really wanting the spotlight, but you seem like you do your job well. Um, everybody makes mistakes, I'm sure. But um, since I've known you, you've been very humble in a variety of circumstances. Um, simply by saying, not by simply by not projecting, hey, I'm the mayor for 14 mm-hmm. years at the time. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. so again, how, do you just remind yourself that, like all the things you just told me, because that's not normal yet again these people that are in our federal offices the senators the congressmen the congresswomen um the ones who have been in in office for 30 40 years those are the people that have forgotten about us that's right you know absolutely so in your opinion how like how does somebody get to that perspective as somebody who wants that much power somebody who who has completely forgot about why they got elected to that office in the first place. I think they forgot who made us. Huh. You know, if if we feel like we're pretty important, self-appointed important people, mm-hmm. you know, there is that's an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> self I mean, yeah. do you self-appoint yeah. yourself to be an important person? No, uh, if you're an important person, it's because your people make you that way. And if you think you are because your people made you that way, then you're probably going to start losing it. Probably going to screw loose. <laughs> yes, because it's uh, your people like somebody who serves them, who can talk to them on their level, whatever level that may be. And uh, if you think you're too important to talk to your people, you know, Keene's my town. I tell people, these people are my people. And I don't say that bragging, but it's because I'm serving them. I want to serve them. And if we forget what we're about in service, we just miss the boat altogether because mayors are, not, I mean, that's an honor bestowed on you by the voting public. Mm-hmm. And they can take it away as fast as they can give it to you. So if you're not doing your job, they're probably not going to reelect you again. That's been the case now a few times for me. Mm. Uh, I didn't come back to run this time without a lot of people coming to me over the for two years before the term, or say year and a half. They were coming to me saying, "Gary, you got to go back." Are they two-year terms or four-year terms? Two. Okay. So, so you about can, so a year can, and a half before this this term I'm in started, uh-huh. people were coming to me. Even the old mayor who I ran against and took him out of office said, Gary, you got to go back. Mm. So uh, hmm, interesting. I said, no, I don't really need any more of this. You know, I've, I've done now more than anybody else has ever done in the city of Keene as far as being mayor. We've had mayors in Johnson County that served longer than me contiguous but uh i said no i don't need anymore and they said yeah you got to go back and some of them my good friends stayed after me and finally said okay there's a uh, ballot this this question just kind of popped out of my head a lot of movies a lot of hollywood they um portray a lot of small towns like in your position um as very corrupt because it is so small I don't see that. I mean, I've lived in Keene a long time. Have you ever run into that situation where you're like, man, this could get pretty sticky? And honestly, I'm, even if even if that ever did happen, you're probably not going to tell me. But I'm just kind of curious, like, has that situation ever kind of presented itself where corruption could have taken root? Not in my watch. Mm. But I have heard of some cases that make you kind of wonder, but... Uh, I mean, if you chase those without much evidence while well, you're just uh, spitting in the wind, you know, that's a, that's a bad deal. And you end up ruining people's lives over stuff that probably 
shouldn't have been. Hmm. So uh, n- not in my watch have I known of anybody that uh, has been taking money out of the kitty. Yeah. Uh, and not in our office. Uh, you know, I, you read about that yeah. where some people are finance directory of some cities, directors of some cities have. Kind of slide money around e- different places. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that. And we have ours audited uh, every year by outside auditors. And we've been given a clean bill of health. Every time. I only want to be a part of an organization that gets a clean bill of health. <laughs> I do not want people... I mean, these are the taxpayers' money. These are my people's money. Mm. And you don't want that to happen. So uh, we have things in place. That's why we sign checks like we do. And typically this morning, I had three questions. And so I put little yellow notes, and I went back to finance people to find out what the problem was. And they assured me uh, that uh, there was an error in one. We didn't pay the company enough money, mm. but we had the invoices there for all the rest of the stuff. And they said, yeah, we've already caught that. We'll go back and mm. cancel that check and redo it mm. or add another check for the difference. Mm. Yeah. You know, so, uh, so it seems like you have a lot of different safeguards in place for things like this. Is there something that happened in your life that kind of made you super aware to, to having these safeguards, or is it just something you grew up with? It's something I grew up with. Just not, don't be dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't be an idiot. Well, and, uh, you know, along with that, I've been power of attorney for Joan. Mm-hmm. So I, I finally was managing her checkbook, writing mm-hmm. the checks, paying the bills, mm-hmm. collecting the rent. And I never took a dime for that. She try to put a tank of gas in my car sometimes. But yeah, I'd always I see taking you her to the doctor. doctor yeah, <laughs> I'd always see you drive but up. I, and... just, I just felt bad about doing that because uh, she'd been scammed out of so much money already. So, so do, Whatever happened to that quadplex? I know people are living it's, there now. It finally sold to okay. a guy that uh, I think fixed it up a little bit, yeah. maybe painted it up some and is doing... Uh, Good. I haven't even been down there, but Dan Zacharias, a realtor, tried to sell oh, yeah. it for a while for me, and then it didn't ever go, and finally he got that done. But yeah, she had done a reverse mortgage on that, and I know that's pretty. That's a pretty tough situation. Yeah, it was. So your running mate, do you know much about who's running against you? And yes, uh, Samantha Gillen, uh, oh. a realtor in Keene, Gillen oh. Realty. Is uh, running against me and a guy named Kevin Romanelli. Uh, I think he's retired military man. Uh, what are some of their um, talking points to kind well, of sway wanna, the voters? They want to bring uh, they want to bring business to Keene. Is Samantha's issue, uh, and uh, Kevin wants to drain the swamp. In other words, he says that. We need to fix streets. We need to cut out a bunch of expense and spend more money on the streets. Why do you feel about that? Well, uh, you know, if you actually look at the budget and you got to have so many people to run a city and, and your biggest cost with any organization is personnel, typically personnel. Think about schools. Think about cities. Mm. It's not paving streets. It's people. So how many people can you, if a street costs you, uh, let's see, a million bucks to do two blocks in concrete, Jeez. how many people are you going to cut out to do that? Do you have a, like an idea on, on how that might get fixed one day? Uh, we need to hire a guy, and we're in the process of doing that, that we dedicate to streets that's oh, got cool. knowledge of streets. And... Uh, so I know there's like different types of pavement you have to do. You got to grind up at the entire thing to actually get it fixed the right way. Correct. Yes. yes. It's yeah. not just like a layer of pavement. It's a lot to it. Yeah. So you want to hire a guy that that's his one job is infrastructure in the streets. Yeah. Right. Yes. Hmm. And, and he has some knowledge in that. That's cool. And uh, and just today uh, I looked at a machine. They showed me a video of a machine that one guy can run, and he can take an arm and stick it out while he's sitting in the truck and blow stuff in the pothole with the right mixture, run over it a couple of times. And uh, 
save that huh. pothole. Uh, and so, uh, but the machine cost $450,000. Golly, that's crazy. So you said, well, uh, how do we justify that? And he said, well, if, if your street crew is really going to do any good without that machine, you need about three or four people. So you take three more people at 50000 a year, that's 150000 bucks you're spending on people a year. And in three years, you would have paid for this machine, right? Minus maintenance issues and other things that you have to spend money on, you know. So you're you're really investing in livelihoods to get the same job done, but while the same while getting that one job done, you're also investing in multiple families, right? Y- yes. Okay. Yeah. Has that been kind of your uh, approach to everything? No, because it people are your biggest asset, you know. But at some point, if you can take a machine and one guy can do with it. Well, talk about the American farmer a little bit. You know, back when we used to farm 160 acres, maybe, and we had a 1929 Model L case, that was probably about all we could do. Mm. But today we got tractors with 600 horsepower and up that will, in the same amount of time that you can plow that 160 acres, one guy can probably work a couple of sections. Yeah. So uh, an American farmer can't make it anymore on 160 acres, so he's gotten bigger, and he's gotten bigger equipment and uh, so that he can still do it. And uh, hmm. that's just kind of the way we're going in this whole world, but we still need people. Mm-hmm. Do you Are you concerned that um, technology is going to rob a lot of the jobs in Keene, or is that something you're kind of standing up against? No. Over time, I'm sure. But as your city grows over time, you're still probably going to need more people than you have today, even with more technology. Mm. Do you have a rough estimate on what the growth is going to be? Like percentage, 20% growth, 5% growth? Keynes, no, we don't get 25% growth. (laughs) I said 20 or (laughs) 5. Yeah, more like 5 or so. But if you just say uh, 1990, we had 4,000 people, say, and today we got 7,500. We've almost doubled it in what, 30 years? Mm -hmm. But the next 30 will be faster. Yeah, because there's also a lot more farmland that we can expand into or King can expand into, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so if uh, we got... Our city manager is really the key to uh, what's happening. uh, He was at Venus before he came to King and Mm. uh, he knew these builders, so he talked to them about coming over there and we found land they could buy and they they are at it. They have an investor and uh, got the guys that know how to put streets together. Huh. And uh, so we've got this all this new pavement and these lots popping up with the water and sewer already in. They're developers. And uh, I, I solely credit him with all that because he knew these guys. Mm. And, kind of a good network he already had. Yes. Yeah. He mm. networked with them before. They had built in Venus and... And they liked him hmm. because he could work with them, and so uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so big <clears throat> business is one of the things that people want to bring in, or one of your uh, uh, what do you? My competitors. The competitors. I mind mind uh, fire right there. Um, one of your competitors wants to bring a lot of bigger businesses in corporate business. Is that right? We have an industrial park. Yeah. It's got a. We got a couple of, we got Pocket Springs. Nobody's ever heard of Pocket Springs, but they build these little uh, springs and then they put pockets around them for the inner spring mattress industry. So what do they want to bring in then? Well, they get, we already have that. That's been going. Mr. Tomlinson used to be our unpaid economic development director in the beginning, and uh, <laughs> he got them there. We also have a chrome plating business out there in the industrial park. But your competitors want to bring other things in, right? Oh, what's, yeah. What's, what's oh, different about what he wants to bring in than... Nothing. Uh, it's, uh, you know, when I say I want more business and keen for jobs, that's a tough thing to do. You know, you can spend... A, a lot of time pursuing businesses to come to Keene. And uh, in the end, if you don't support them, like I say, we want more restaurants. 
Well, you got to have the clientele. The demographics must support more restaurants. And the ones that we have seem to have a struggle. Yeah, I was about to say that. Is, yeah, why is do. that? I don't know. Uh, maybe more people in Keene home cook. I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, especially during the Corona oh, yeah, lockdown. But uh, yeah, my wife had to learn to cook again. So <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> yeah, no, you can let it flow. Yeah, it's okay. What's your wife's name? Betty. Betty, you're on next. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna interview you yeah, next. That's right. That'd be good. Have Betty next. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough road because we've had lots of restaurants and they seem to last a little while. The you new, don't know why. well, the new any restaurant when it's new. You know, everybody flocks down there to try it out. But if the food's not good and uh, the service is not good mm. and the price can be mediocre or high or cheap, mm. eventually you're going to lose. Yeah. So you got to have good food, good service and uh, to make that go. And I don't really know why that is, but uh, it's probably a combination of things. Mm-hmm. So I used to play uh, basketball all the time at that park there. Um, and there's a, I used to always play with, uh, there's a Samoan population there. Yes. Hawaiian Island or? And Marshall Island. Marshall Island. Yeah. How did that come to be? Because those guys are awesome. <laughs> well, a long time ago, we had some student missionaries went to the Marshall Islands from Southwestern. Okay. Every year. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the college. we got to talk about the college too. Yeah. The college sends out... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say maybe 10 kids go out of there to different places around the world, a lot of them in the Pacific. And they just brought an entire community back with them. And (laughs) and it seems that uh, the connection was made from Southwestern Adventist University in Keene to some of the Marshall Islands. And so a lot of those folks have moved to to the United States and Texas with Keene being their focal point because of a student missionary that was in their country for a year. Wow. That's really cool. It's a very unique thing. I haven't really seen much else, you know, at other places. Um, I used to always play basketball with those guys and they're really cool. It's a really cool uh, language to hear how they talk and it's something. I always love playing ball with them. Yeah. Um, so the college, it's like the fifth best Adventist university in the nation or something like that. It's high yeah, up there, right? It's one of the, it's the safest school in Texas, I think. For all yeah. colleges? or mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I don't know and uh, they've got some other, uh, see, I'd have to go back and read that again. There was some stuff just put out on that. It's uh, the safest college in Texas. Yeah. What? It just means that we have less crime on campus and... A lot of them. Yeah? Some of that may go along with our beliefs. Um, maybe, yes. Yeah, possibly. Yes. Because if you're if you're a little more fundamental and conservative in your religious beliefs, well, you respect the other person's property and their life. Hmm. And some places we don't get that taught anymore. <laughs> it it yeah. starts in the home, obviously, yeah. and... Uh, so it might have something to do with that. I don't know. I would like to think that anyway. So How long ago was that college built? Well, it started in 1894 was the first graduating class. Oh, well. So it's been around just a couple of years. Yeah. In <laughs> 1994, my daughter graduated from there with an elementary education major, and she was in the 100th year class. But now we've gone past the 125th. That's Amazing. I'm guessing that college, like, is that a very uh, known stimulus to the economy, having that college there? Or is it kind of, eh, it's a college? <laughs> yeah, I suspect it helps you know, the pizza places. <laughs> and Mr. Helps, Jim's across the street. Yes, and it helps a lot of folks here in Cleburne, too, because of those kids. Yeah. In my day, I didn't have any money when I went to school there. So if we got to Dairy Queen on Saturday night, I probably had a buddy that picked up my tab for a <laughs> shake at 29 cents or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, yes, uh, having those kids on campus uh, contributes to the local environment uh, economically. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Keene, like I said, Keene is a very inter- interesting city. Yeah. Um, 
in your time as mayor, as a resident, I'm kind of curious more about the mayor side of things. What's the craziest thing you've ever come across as a mayor? Oh, I know, I know you have to like go deep, dig deep. I, I, I probably can't tell you on public radio. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm a guy that uh, sometimes the neurons between my brain and my mouth don't act fast enough, and I say things. <laughs> well, I have a stu- I have a stutter, could. so it kind of works out. <laughs> well, we did have a murder that we never have solved. Ooh. On uh, South College back in the 90s. Tell me about that. Uh, Were you mayor at the time? I believe so, if I can remember right. Uh, Ooh, a cold and case. the little girl, the daughter, was going to school at Southwestern, and uh, it's alleged that her daddy beat her mama up and, and with a pipe. Wow. And she died from that. And I don't know, they never could get those charges on him to stick, and he... He moved to Indiana or somewhere. Whoa. You know, I, he may have died by now. Is that the only murder that's ever happened in Keene? Or? Uh, I think there was one before. Maybe a couple now. I don't, you know, don't quote me on this because I'm not really positive, but I think there's been a, another one or two. So maybe three <laughs> in the history of Keene. But. What? Well, we got to respect people. If you teach people to respect people, you know, those things don't happen. Well, definitely, but, I mean, Keene's doing something right in that aspect. I mean, three murders in the entire tenure of Keene. I mean, ish, yeah. even if yeah. it was five. Yeah. I mean, daily. Many. Some places have you know, 24 murders a day or 50 yeah. murders a weekend. That's, oh, yeah, in Chicago. That's yeah. pretty crazy. And they got gun rules, gun bans. Gun bans, yeah. Yeah, yeah the cities that have gun bans have more deaths from guns than any city, so it just proves that the gun is not the culprit; it's the guy using it. So you're you have a pretty relaxed stance on all that too, as a mayor. Well, I have a gun. Me too. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't have to ever use it for self protection. Yeah. But uh, if it's my family, I think I would be obligated to do so. Mm-hmm. If you. Like, have you ever had a time where you wanted to go further than you are now as mayor? As no. No. Okay. Although that was pretty I, quick, no. <laughs> yeah, I've had some county people talk to me and said that maybe I should have been a commissioner, but, you know, my next birthday I'll be 80 years old. So the county commissioner is above you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't really know a lot They're about the paid. levels of the local. The the county commissioner is, there's four commissioners in the county plus county judge, and they actually run the county. They're like the mayor and council. Okay. So the county judge is the mayor of the county, and his four commissioners who are elected from different precincts in the county are his council people, but they pass all the rules and the laws for the county. Hmm. So That's ordinances or whatever are passed by that county commissioner's court. Yeah. So moving forward, say let's say you get um, reelected. Um, what would you like to see happen in Keene in the next twenty years? Well, I would like to see us be able to pave some streets and really take that. That well, we got a few people around and say, "There's a mayor of Pothole City." Oh yeah, yeah. I want that stigma to go away. Mm. You know, I'd like to have smooth streets, but. Streets are very, very expensive, and if you, you just drive here in Cleburne, if you get off of Maine and uh, Henderson mm-hmm. and off of some of the other major arteries, you run into some streets that are really mm-hmm. not all that savvy, too. So uh, newer part of town, they've been paved. They haven't been there as long, so they're probably holding up if they had a good paver, did the sub-base. Mm-hmm. And with everything, a foundation is so important. If you yeah. build a house, you want a good foundation. If you build a street, you want a good foundation. Mm-hmm. So take it even a step further. I mean, I understand you want to do, you want to do the streets, which is super important. I get that. Um, but you know, say you're say you're not mayor for, for the next twenty years. But what is something that crazily you would love to see? Maybe it's just a dream for Keene. Maybe it's something that you've never thought could be possibly happening, but you would. Love to see it happen one day. If, if there was no limitations, what would you like to see happen? A Taco Bell. No, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah. Yeah, you got to have a little levity in life or you, you get strung up on being too serious. But uh, I, the streets is the biggest issue I think we really got. A lot of people gripe about those. But I tell them, you know, I grew up on dirt roads. And they were, and if it rained, you didn't go to town unless you had a four wheel yeah. drive. Yeah. And we didn't have a four wheel drive, so uh, so I said, if it's just hard, and it's got a few chuck holes, uh, you know, I don't get too upset with that. Although I would like smooth streets. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'll tell you what, Gary. If you pay me four hundred fifty thousand dollars, I'll get it done for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you don't know how far that 450,000 it'd even go. It probably, wouldn't go far. Yeah, yeah, probably about 500 feet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So there's nothing else, nothing crazy dream that you would love to see happen, whether it's for the city of Keene or even your own life. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'd like to see people that had pride in their property that take care of the lawn and stuff, you know, and keep the place looking nice. Keep their place looking nice. Uh, that would that would really be something for the rest of the county and anybody who drove through our town to say, your town's so beautiful, so well-kept, you know, but it's hard to legislate all that. You know, at some point, people have to have some freedom. It's kind of a statement they make uh, to be free, to do what they want to do, and some people just weren't bred to be neat. Do you ever wonder if that freedom that people always, because I'm, I'm all about the freedom too, but um, I wonder if sometimes people take that freedom, <laughs> they, they push it so far in front of them that they have, like they feel like they have to be free in everything that it's now become their prison. Yeah. Have you ever wondered that? Yeah. Where it's like they want that freedom so much that they strive for it, but because they're, they're locked down on that freedom, they've yeah. now kind of been put in prison by the very freedom they yeah. want. Why are you telling me what I got to do with my property? It's it's like uh, some guy's running a boat shop out of his backyard and he'd park boats in front of his house and met with him several times said, you just can't do that. You can't run a business out of a residence because what happens is you usually end up with a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. which residences don't like. Well, it's a zoning violation, isn't it? Yes, it's a zoning violation. So, uh, but then on the other hand, you would like for that guy to make a living, mm-hmm. but he just needs to choose a better place to do it, and he and he doesn't want the expense of owning a shop out on the highway. Mm-hmm. He just wants to do it in the backyard. So, uh, you have that. You fight that all the time. Uh, so zoning, and and our thing is that you got to protect your neighbor's property. Because remember that the more your neighbor's house is worth, ultimately decides how much tax revenue goes to the city. So the city really wants people's houses to be worth more and when they sell it so that they get those proceeds. Mm -hmm. So we are in kind trying to protect the investment of our people by having zoning regulations. Mm -hmm. but that's a tough sell, too, because, you know, you're inhibiting some people's freedom to do what they want with their property. Mm. They'll tell you that, you know, and they yeah. say, well, it's when we start living together, you know, out on the farm, if you want to park your truck, your wheat truck on the grass, it was okay. But in town... With neighbors, you really don't want that because when you start parking on the grass, why well, it looks like uh, uh, old Jeff Foxworthy has just been there, huh? <laughs> and uh, and then it the grass goes away, and now you got mud when it rains tracked to the street, and well, you really don't want that. <laughs> so that ultimately washes down the rivers into the lakes and f- fills them up with sediment. I know that's far-fetched, but that's ultimately what happens to it. So I, I get it. No, I get where you're from. <clears throat> so you just try to protect people. But then, again, if you don't have that problem and you don't mow your grass, why well, it's, yeah. what have you got? So, yeah. <laughs> so roughly uh, three weeks, three and a half weeks away from the election, 
He's on a Tuesday tomorrow. Yeah. Three weeks, maybe. Three weeks tomorrow. Um, final words to anybody who listens to this who might be voting for you or against you. What would you say to them? I say, well, uh, with me, you got stability. I don't get all excited over every little thing that comes to me. You know, I spend some time trying to check it out first or, or to have the city manager check it out. So people send me requests about this, that, and the other, and I say, while we are speaking, I am texting the city manager with what you're telling me, and we'll have him look into it, which he does. And uh, But I want to answer people's questions. So with me, you get stability, uh, for one, and I'm not in this for the ego. I mean, the ego went away a long time ago. What uh, did make that go away? Because you said at one point you had a kind of a big head about it. Well... Usually kind of tickled death. You're mayor. (laughs) Big deal. You know, after a little while, you found out it's more work than it is probably ego. Mm. So uh, the people put you there for a reason to be uh, to be their leader. And uh, and if you got the big head means you don't speak to all of them. Because you're now too big to speak to everybody that gets you in trouble. So throw ego away. You're there to be a servant of the people. And you forget that. Now, I can't always say this, but I would see some as running because they want to be mayor of King. But they're going to fix all the problems. And I want to tell you that, buddy, if you can fix all the problems, I'm going to vote for you. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of, are those your final words to your competitors as well? Sure, (laughs) absolutely. If you can fix them all, I'm going to vote for you. Yeah. Well, Gary, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. It was a blast to talk to you. Well, you're welcome. So uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you again in, in three weeks as the new mayor. If not, then you're like, oh, well, and I'll yeah. just be chilling in my home. Yeah, just come on down to Taco Bell and I'll visit. <laughs> All right, Gary, thank you. You bet. Bye. Thank you.